I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And 50 has never looked so good. Yes, it's all <laughs> the moisturizing. It's really important to moisturize. No, it really, really is. Um, seriously, people. <laughs> I got real serious real quick. And also sunblock is super important, you guys. Yeah, sunblock is important. Mm-hmm. Presuming you go outside. <laughs> who who does that like staying in is the new black <laughs> it's true it's true how's it going Demika? it's not too bad i'm actually i'm really like you know me i'm a bit of a sentimental mush and today's our 50th episode and i'm just like i can't believe i'm still i don't have the words i'm still kind of really stoked about it so i'm trying not to be like overly sentimental and gushy which is very difficult <laughs> Yes, it's strange. And then our choice to number our episodes the way that we have, um, with our full length episodes being the only ones with numbers, we're really pushing a hundred here. Yeah. <laughs> Between minisodes and bonus episodes. And yeah, that's a lot of stuff over the last two years. It's correct. Two years. Like that, that is nuts. Like we'd be like talking about moving in together if this is a relationship. I, know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what kids do. I don't know. My relationship was different. So this is, I'm going off what the TikTok kids are saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I married to my high school boyfriend, so we were together a lot longer than two years <laughs> before we lived together. But. That's perfect. But that's true. Like, I think that's why 50 looks so good. We've done like 50 regular, like over 40 mini episodes, a, a handful of interviews and special editions. And we have discussed and debated and try to dismantle topics ranging from abortion and intergenerational trauma. We've talked about everything harry potter humanly possible yet not yet still breaching the surface <laughs> and we have talked about all creepy ghouly things that just make our heart pitter patter we have gotten mad on the show we have gotten happy and one of my personal favorite things i was not expecting we have had faux spinoffs of the show mm. which is definitely my favorite do you have a personal favorite i mean i will always have a soft place in my heart for soup cast Mm -hmm. just thinking about it makes me feel like it's autumn soup cast is definitely autumn vibes yes definitely but that's the thing and with the amazing topics i've had the pleasure of talking to danny with and bringing to the table we've never really been short on words but we always seem to be short on time So, in celebration of our 50th episode, we're going to go back in time, which who doesn't love time travel? I love. Yes. I love time travel. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to pick an episode or a portion or a a comment we've made, and every time we say we don't have time for that or let's put that on the shelf, today we're going to take a little snippet, we're going to expand, we're going to define, go a little further if we want to have a little bit of a rebuttal for each other just to have that space to kind of spread out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll talk just about a couple, but we're definitely interested in hearing from you about what you would like us to expand upon. So I know it's early for the plugs, but I'm going to go ahead and put a plug in here uh, asking you to please reach out to us, send us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. If there are any of those, oh, we could talk forever about this, but we don't have time um, conversations. <laughs> That you would like us to expand upon, and we'll we'll do it on a future episode. This isn't the only time we'll do this. We can revisit this sort of format later. 
I love it. And what I've already loved about this is that I've had to go back because once we listen, you send me the cut and we listen to it, we make the notes, it's there out in the world. I'm not going to go relive that again. As lovely as it was. <laughs> wait, wait, you don't just like listen to back episodes? <laughs> It was nice to go back and listen. And so that was part of the reason why I wanted to do this. It makes me kind of go back and appreciate and not just talk about how much I repeated myself or say, um, but just to really appreciate the content. What episode are we are we going to visit first? All right. So let's go back, back in time, back to episode five. This is in 2018, you guys. Well, just just at the end of where the title is going to be podcasting like it's 1999, which is amazing. It was our first quick question episode, which means we had people write in or these are things that we gathered before the beginning of our show of people who had questions for specifically people of color. This episode was released January 1st, 2019, which like so like I said, technically, we probably recorded it at the very tail end of 2018. So I don't know. It was it was a really cool experience listening to it. And I, my initial gut reaction was like, I don't oh, this is going to be so cringy. You know, we've we've improved. We've 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 hopefully. Our, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> Listeners are like, no, we're just gracious. We, we, we've honed our craft. We've gotten more comfortable on the mic. But our, my initial thoughts were we're adorable obviously (laughs) obviously Jamaica have you met us I couldn't help it like I just was like we're this is I don't care how this makes me come up we're so stinking adorable I love our chemistry and I think we have good energy and of course we can always be better at our craft we will continue to get better at our craft but I I see our heart in it Mm -hmm. and it kind of distract from everything else. And I'm just like, oh, this is why and why we continue to do this show. So that was like my first initial thought. My second thought was, uh, there's nothing quick about it. We will never be great at brevity, but... <laughs> I mean, have you heard the minisodes, girl? Like... <laughs> I was just sitting there. I think it's like the episode itself is, I think, 70 minutes long. And so I keep sitting there and just been like, where does the quickness come? Yeah, but I mean, we did like, what, five or six questions? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's not not that quick, huh? No, I think we actually might have done a few more. So yeah, I just thought it just made me smile. And we have really come so far in just wheeling our content. Even the kind of questions and comments that we are getting have a really beautiful depth to it. And I can see we're really being challenged and stretched. And our listeners are really being vulnerable and honest about things that they want us to talk about. So it was just all that beautiful kind of reflection right away mm. it was really really cool so the thing that was interesting can i i will say before i get into it i want to give an honorable kind of like nod to the episodes that i wanted to and didn't quite make it i wanted to think about maybe episode 32 where we talk about forgiveness which mm. is our, our other favorite f word and episode 27 which was actually another quick fire one but there was a question specifically about protesting girl i'm just letting you know Mm. that's like a little tasty taste we might we might have to but today i actually want to respond to the very last kind of question or comment we had in that now remember this is two years ago we can all revisit together enjoy the past so the question is 
don't all lives matter? Uh, it pains me. It pains me. So, so I feel like I like that I statement. I statement <laughs> confirming yes, that it's your feelings. I, it is my feelings. These are my feelings. I feel this question is a trap and a cop out and really cold. I feel in light of trying to seem that you are for everyone and for peace and acceptance. And you're one of those people who don't see color, whatever. I, I feel you have missed the point. You have No, that's that's the heart of it is you have missed the point. The point. Yeah. That that's what it is. We can sit here and we both have oof. lots of feelings <laughs> about about this, but the, at the heart of it, I feel like if you are asking this question, and I have been asked this question, and, and I do, I get quite emotional because I'm like, wow, you have missed the entire point. You are getting half of the story. I mean, the answer is all lives do matter. We care about all lives. Like everyone cares about all lives. And by pointing out that Black Lives Matter is not by any means dismissing all other lives. You just, you've completely missed the point if you think that is the case. If you think you need to start throwing around White Lives Matter or the Blue Lives Matter thing of the cops or like any of those other things, like you are entirely missing the point. We are not saying that those lives do not matter, but you have to have your head in the sand if you don't understand the issues that Black people are facing in this society and how these murders, straight up murders, are happening and people are just like brushing them under the rug. Right. They're just being brushed under the carpet like they don't matter, like none of this matters. And then this body count just keeps going up and up and up. And that's what this is about. It's it's shining light on that very issue. And it is not saying that other lives don't matter. But let's let's talk about something that is a huge issue and needs to be addressed in a very straightforward way. That's what it is. And, and I think that that that's what's really as a person you want validation as a person, which is funny because as a woman of color, I desire validation as well. We're not taking any we're not taking anything from you, and I feel like when we have any kind of momentum uh, of this, the same thing with like with the Me Too campaign, I'm like we're not taking anything away from anybody. That that's the thing. We're not taking anything away from anybody. We're just asking. For recognition, we're asking to draw attention. We're setting up a, a flag. We're we're in danger. Something is not right here. That's what we're doing. We're trying to draw an attention to you know black people being thrown into prison for crimes they did not commit. I mean the the appeal rate of what's going on and and cases being um, reopened and finding out that people are being wrongly convicted. Like I said, people being murdered in the street. Uh, biases being, I mean, the, but we were just talking about racial biases. They're coming at you at such a stronger, faster, furious pace now more than ever. 
it's ridiculous. I don't even think we realize how much we are receiving our, our, our slant on, on people of color. I, I don't I don't think people's eyes are open to that. We're just trying to lift people up, right? Trying to shine light on this issue and lift people up. It is not by any means like pushing anybody else down. It is not costing anyone else anything by saying Black Lives Matter, right? Like we're not saying that other lives are not as important. We're just saying that this matters. <laughs> I don't understand why this is so hard for some people to grasp. It is so offensive to say all lives matter. It is so offensive because it is completely dismissive of the whole point, the whole point of this issue, right? I, I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. See what I mean? Like, we're adorable. (laughs) Uh, Obviously. There's a lot of feelings in that. There's a lot, a lot of feelings. When talking about Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. when I re-listened to this, I realized I had such an emotional trigger to it. Mm. Which is not bad. But what I've been really trying to train myself as someone who prides herself on having open conversations and wants to facilitate more things is that you have to be very wary of your triggers and how you respond to them. And I had a very visceral, emotional reaction, which I don't take back. But I also saying now, two years later, there's this thought of, do you see why we're still talking about it? Because even though this came about at 2013, we were talking about this here in 2018. And now here we are in 2020, still having to define and defend Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I mean, it's not really that surprising when you when you think about it. Yes, two years or almost two years seems like a long time ago. But it really isn't in the grand scheme of things. And when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, this is a fight that has been going on for ages. Like mm-hmm. even even without the hashtag, right? Like the civil rights movement, this has not been resolved at mm-hmm. any point. And so it's going to keep on happening. Mm. Well, it's actually one of the books from your reading list about that you were sharing about anti-racism, like why are all the black mm-hmm. kids eating together in the cafeteria? In the, be- in the very beginning, she talks about writing on this anniversary of her book. And when yeah. she's telling people about what they were doing, like, oh, is that still a thing? Is racism? Is that? Yeah. You're, you're still into that? This is not like a career where she wants to join a circus. Like, oh, you're still pursuing that? Yeah. That book in particular is 20 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's to put it back to the year 2000. And that was around the time that we were in high school. And I think our generation in particular is very guilty of like, at least then thinking that racism wasn't a thing because that was like the line that we were given and the Mm -hmm. line that uh, American society was passing in the 80s and 90s. And in large part due to very calculated measures, racist measures taken by the federal government, starting Mm -hmm. with Johnson and Nixon. Like, Mm -hmm. there was a very deliberate choice to stop using the words black and brown to describe people and to use codified language instead, like war on drugs, all these Mm -hmm. other things that are like just coded racism. So like, yes, people thought we were post-racism, 
because it was a very deliberate measure taken by racists. Exactly. And I think that's why people want to overlook the calculation behind it, the thought of it, because surely no one would do that. But that's what I kind of want to talk about a little bit is the fact that just because you don't necessarily see it or experience it does not make it any less real or does not make it something a real or a real reality someone else. And so for me, I heard how we respond to it. And I don't disagree with any of it. But what I want to expand on specifically right now in the Black Lives Matter movement in this particular wave is that I've been actually seeing something and I guess this is partly venting. That if you Hmm. are for the Black Lives Matter movement, if you're for that, then you must be against everything else. But what I'm here to tell you is that Black Lives Matter is everything. Do you, do you, is everything else. Do you understand when I see on the social media, when I read in the news, this is my personal, I've actually read this. You are also distracted by Black Lives Matter that don't you realize so many young ladies are sold into sex trafficking? Oh, what a beautiful distraction it was described as. Or mm. while you were all talking about Black Lives Matter, you all are missing, this was voted on the House floor today, or they're trying to erase the absentee ballot, all of this. So this is what I'm trying to understand is me personally, <laughs> if I am for Black Lives Matter, it's because I'm a Black person, my life matters. And that that has a relationship with so many other things. I'm talking about it's intertwined with environmentalism. Does that make sense? I do care about sex trafficking. I do care about natural disasters, the election, because guess what? They're not apart from each other. There's a deep-seated intertwining of this human rights movement in our everyday social life. And I it's so strange that I feel like I have to clarify that and speak on that. Do you know what I'm saying? And feel and try to say like, no, 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 these Black Lives Matter movement is not anything separate from these other human rights issues. Well, it's it's the oppression Olympics. And I mm-hmm. refuse to engage in, in the oppression Olympics. Like mm-hmm. we spend so much time and energy trying to fight over who has it the hardest when that's like not serving any of us. Right? Exactly. Like that's not that's not furthering anything. Like I don't want to hear that. You don't need to bring your own shit into this because that is not the conversation we are having right now. I don't it's uh, it's difficult and I think this is something that I have come across increasingly with this latest resurgence of Black Lives Matter as a mm. large scale very much in the public eye movement and particularly within the Latinx community playing this oppression Olympics and talking about, well, why aren't we talking about the Latinx community and lifting us up in all of these issues? And I think there's one, we need the reminder that we uplift and rise the tide, it rises all of us, right? Like, it's better for all of us. So, like, yes, you do have a personal investment in Black Lives Matter. But, I mean, I think within the Latinx community in particular, 25% of the Latinx community is also black and that's something that like we don't talk about and there's like this huge erasure of afro-latinos and uh, like 
if we're talking what's like what's good for Latinx people, like yes, Black Lives Matter. That is literally one quarter of our community is black. So yes, this is important to our community. Mmm, so good. Well, I, I was actually watching an interview about from the three women who originally created the hashtag in 2013. And they're talking about human rights being divvied out within this scale of saying like the heaviest, of course, onto the whiter, lighter side and saying those who get treated really poorly on the incredibly darker side. And of course, within that different ranges of treatment. And they're saying if we try to make it better for the whole opposite end of that of the the darker most oppressed people of course it's going to make things easier for those in the middle hearing that was a very interesting visualization of how Uh. how, does, does that going into how we're treating for human rights and when i think about improving the rights for those for those who identify as as black americans i'm thinking as someone who is brown and who is mixed why would i sit there and say well no i'm i'm brown what about brown lives i'm like your rights and things improving for you is something for someone who is half black improvement of my life as well we talk about all the time about making room at the table right we we talk about that quite a lot and what would make you think that another oppressed marginalized people group would not make room for another oppressed marginalized people group we are trying to not only just make room but extend that table for enough room and acknowledgement and representation for all yeah yeah it goes back to what is it at the heart that we are fighting here and we are fighting against white supremacy it is the same system that is oppressing all of us and so we are kind of focusing our attack right like we are Mm -hmm. all banding together to attack white supremacy and in this particular instance we're talking about black lives and we're talking about the form of white supremacy that is being inflicted upon black bodies and black lives through our unjust justice system through our policing through all those things which are also things that all people of color and i'm gonna once again focus on latinx community because that's my community we are all part of that system and latinx people of all colors like yes dark skin and light skin are being locked up in state and federal prisons in Mm -hmm. large numbers and juvenile correction facilities in immigration detention centers like we are subjected to the same health disparities that our Mm -hmm. black brothers sisters and non-binary siblings are also experiencing and in a world of covid like yeah that is scary and as literally life and death and we're we're grappling with all of that we're grappling with the pay gaps we're grappling with high How, amounts of yeah. poverty mm-hmm. like we're we're all grappling with these same things and we're just gonna all keep suffering if we don't focus our attack in making the world better and so yes we should all stand together we should all fight the system together because ultimately at the end of the day we all are only going to benefit from dismantling white supremacy exactly when i think about energy and supply and resources these are not things we should be arguing about these are things we should be offering up and and i get that vibe i get that there isn't enough to go around between the the black community and the latinx community as far as just like exposure and what we need to get out of these 
these these systems that we have been built into. But that's just the thing that divisiveness within the community, that separation by our own race, by language, by colorism. And I'm thinking about how incredibly damaging that is. When I read books about how to have uh, racial healing and dismantling colorism, they talk about going back to your community and having healing. And I think there needs to be a moment in time of healing within the Latinx community and the Black community of having this, we've all been through this collective trauma of Mm. oppression from white supremacy. We need to mourn together and say that we have gone without we have had to work twice as hard we are underrepresented and have i think there's something that would be very there there's something healing collectively and having the less of the, the arguing and fighting with each other and just realizing that it's just now that is a real distraction does that make sense now that right yeah. there is a divisive distraction right there if we want to say if there is one it's that it's not saying that black lives matter does not include our latinx brothers and sisters Yes. Because when we get there, we're taking you with us. Do you know what I'm saying? It is for us. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention once again, Latino, Latina, Latinx, it is an ethnic group. We are a multiracial group. And it like really drives me crazy that like we need to acknowledge that there are plenty of black Latinx people (laughs) like Mm. right there just like if nothing else like that should be reason enough right like (laughs) even if we're not talking anything else reason enough but I I realized the wound goes deep and speaking like have an off branch of an episode talking about more maybe that could be explored a little bit more about this this wound between the community but I'm looking forward to seeing and I will say when I've seen Latinx communities stand beside and wave signs and demand justice for those people of, of color there's something that sends a statement And I think that's part of why this wave has been a lot stronger. It's that allyship. It's that co-conspirator, not just from our white brothers and sisters, though I appreciate it because of their privilege and places. But when a bunch of beautiful, different shades of brown people come with a voice, it just it says something different. It hits differently. Yeah, that intersection is definitely there. And I can't tell you like how like full my heart was like to be at these Black Lives Matter protests this past summer and like organizers explicitly being like, we coming for you next, Ice. Like, you know, like there really is a very strong sense of siblinghood Mm. between the groups. And and I think you're right. There are wounds to address. Um, There are still places where we need to build bridges and connect. But I think our strength is going to be in supporting each other. Mm, I freaking love that. I want to have one comment before we probably want to move to yours. I, uh, my response to the all lives matter in the original episode, once again, is a very, like I said, an emotional one, which when you're having a show or you're facilitating talking it is really difficult. But what I will say for those who still don't understand, and I, I met, a few people who are in that place still. What I'm saying is that I want to correct you, but what I really want you to do is start practicing some empathy. That is something I'm incredibly passionate about right now in this particular wave of Black Lives Matter is that I'm seeing an overwhelming lack of empathy. (laughs) I think I was telling Danny before and maybe even on the show is that I'm always really shocked that empathy is something that people could be really bad at or be very weak in. It's a muscle. 
And I didn't realize that people need more opportunities to work that muscle out, to practice empathy. And even if you can't for a moment take yourself out of your of your privilege and your own experience and at least ask the question of someone else of color, well, don't all lives matter? Instead of asking that question, please tell me your experience as a person of color. I, I would just wonder what that would look like and what the dialogue would look like instead of, well, why don't all lives matter? Saying what in your life has happened to make you feel like your life doesn't matter? I just wonder what that would look like. Hmm. I, you're a nicer person than I am. Um, <laughs> I I have very little patience for any all lives matter people at this point in time. And I very, like, I know I'm asking for empathy. And now I'm like, I have no empathy for you. But I, I think there are enough. To me, it shows that you are not trying like, if you're still out here saying all lives matter and acting confused when people give you side eye or straight out call you out for saying that, you have just not been paying attention because there have been so many examples like circulating on the internet about why that saying that is problematic. Mm. There was, um, you know, there was a, a pretty popular comic strip that was going around that was with the houses about yeah. All Lives Matter. And it's like, the house that is on fire is the one that needs the water right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's a very clear and specific and I think illustrates for people who might not understand. There were plenty of other memes going around. Would you go to a cancer fundraiser and start shouting, there's other diseases too? Ooh, like, I no. Know. No, you would not. Would you show up to a funeral and start yelling, I have felt lost too? Like, that is not appropriate. There are so many examples. So I think at this point if you're still saying all lives matter like i i don't have any sympathy for you and i am Mm. not going to explain to you you have obviously not even tried to understand Mm. why that's problematic i think my only reaction is is like yes i'm i'm over it but when people say it now because you're completely right there's plenty of that you're either your head's in the sand or this is a choice not to see it. What I'm talking about is like seeing the experience of somebody else. It's like, it's obviously coming from a place of insecurity because if your life Mm. starts to matter more than mine, what's going to happen to me? So instead of saying like, well, why do you feel feeling that way? It's like, what in your life is making you fear my blackness mattering? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, But I, I, but I'm saying is like, you cannot expect those people to have that level of introspection if they can't even be bothered to like look at a webcomic explaining why saying all lives matter is problematic. Oh, you know, you're not not wrong. But I do live, I do live in a world that where I desire there are breakthroughs. And I will say that there are people Mm. trying and it is, and this is what, and to get slightly off topic is like where I find that I'm the most frustrated is that people, the mid-wokeness still not wanting to help and not know how, not have the verbiage, not wanting to do the work, but they just know something's not right and they don't know why. I'm very frustrated with that group of people because I want them to move out and I feel like what you just said, the evidence and the material is it overfloweth, but at the same time, every person matters in this movement so i think there's people who need to be told it's you you are the problem you need to do the work and i believe that there are some people been like okay 
Let me show you one more time. Will this be the time? And but but that's what we're all called to do. I think I'm that person, and I think there are other people who are like me, and there are other people who are not. And I think that's great because we need all people and all range hitting this movement from all levels. Because I think mm. we're, we're being called to where we work best. Does that make sense? I'm not a really good... There are people out there planning protests and making change. I don't think I'm very good at that. But I see how that is effective and it creates change. And if I need to talk to a very confused white boy who's got his whole world shaken up because he's just now kind of saying that something's not right, that's where I'm going to be doing where I'm fighting. This is where I am at. And I don't know. I don't think it makes it any right. I don't think that person is it. But I'm also a dreamer and a silly optimist. <laughs> mm. But I want to give people the opportunity to try to get empathy. And if they don't, I move on. And that's what I'm learning in my own journey is that I do need to move on. Not say they're a lost cause, but call them out as people who are just, they, they're not for it. And that's okay. And I am getting better at that because I have tried too long and too hard with people. But I am slowly learning of what it's like to, you know, put that, plant that seed, nurture that, not working, move on. In a lot of ways, that's that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm at is like, I am happy to process with people. I am happy to help people. But what I am not doing is I am not doing the work for you. Mm. If you can't meet me anywhere, like if you can't read one book before you talk to me like i'm sorry i am not here to do the labor for you Mm. i've known so many people in this recent resurgence that have been like yes i'm interested i'm interested in doing this and it's like read this book crickets Get nothing. Mm. So it's like, I understand our lives are busy, our lives are complicated, but what you're showing me is that this isn't a priority for you. And that's mm-hmm. fine, but don't act like it is. Don't act like you care. Don't act like you're ready when I'm standing next to the door holding it open for you, but you won't step mm. through and you need me to carry you through. Like, I'm not going to do that for you. What? What is it like? What is it the carry that the groom would do for the bride over the <laughs> threshold? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not going to do the fireman's carry over the threshold this is what i'm saying black lives matter is not trend candy for your feed yeah there exactly that's that's just where i wanted to expand on and have a little like i said because i think i was so still very emotionally there and i'm still going to be but i think being able to put my thoughts a little bit Mm. collectively together and say where i am at yeah yeah this work isn't done and we're not gonna see like a true resolution to like theory that I'm being very pessimistic, but it's like we're never gonna see like a true resolution to it. Oh, girl. because it is it's constant work and it is a constant evolution. And I hope things will be better. I hope we will continue to move in the right direction. But like, there is so much work to be done. It always is, and you're, you're you're not being pessimistic. I mean, I just got done with like a training for once for facilitating, and the woman who was there, badass, been in social justice for forever. I mean, just total, and she's just like, we're not going to see it in my time. Maybe my grandchildren, and like the mood of the room, especially of white people, it just kind of like, oof, it just yeah. hit them in the floor. But I'm like, that sounds that sounds about right. That yeah, but does that make sense to me? Like that. You're not being pessimistic. That This is what just history has shown us. Within some work that I have been sharing with my husband, that he's been sharing with me, and talking about white supremacy in general, like, 
that's part of a problem of white supremacy is like this desire to have like a quick fix, this desire to have a solution to every problem. And that is just not practical for the world, fam. Like, Mm. that's not the way that it happens. (laughs) (laughs) But and I guarantee maybe in the next two years when we're celebrating four years of the show, we will rebring this back up and I will Mm -hmm. do it. I will do it again and again and again until people stop asking me well don't all lives matter because they obviously don't <laughs> not the same way not no. in the same way and it's once so- all lives do matter then we can stop saying black lives matter because all lives will truly matter but we're not there we're not we're there not- stop so- acting that way yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. So, tune in in four weeks' time when we talk. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Well, sorry. That went, uh, I mean, of course, it will always go along with us. Uh, Diddy, I want to know what episode... So I I went even further back. I went to episode two, episode always. number two. Always outdoing me. She's always gonna one up me, guys. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of honorable mentions. The biggest one that I also really considered was, I believe, episode three, which was appropriation versus appreciation, which is still a very important topic, and maybe we can still revisit that at another time. But the episode I chose was Mixed and Married, which was released in November of 2018, so very early on on our podcasting journey. And I I chose it because it clearly was a very important issue if we decided to do it like straight off the bat like it was Mm. something that we felt like very qualified to talk about and thought that people would want to listen to and in fact it is one of our most downloaded episodes because I think it resonates with so many people and we hear we hear from people who are mixed race and married but we hear a lot from people who are in a mixed marriage or mixed relationship um, across ethnicities or races so I think there is a lot for people to to kind of latch on to with that and explore. So just some thoughts I had when I when I re-listened to it, because I too do not have our, our back catalog on repeat. <laughs> I feel like I listen to them enough as I am editing and then yes. I am done. <laughs> but I did the tagline in that, that episode. Is, <laughs> that is so, so weird. weird. I have to go back and listen to it because when I read your notes, I was like, no. For real? (laughs) I think it must have been the only time that I did the tagline. I think maybe we were originally like going to alternate and then we just kind of fell into a groove. But I was like, this is weird. I don't talk here. (laughs) I found it very jarring. (laughs) I love that it was jarring so much. (laughs) Yeah. And then it just felt like even more like a time capsule because it was as is most of our back catalog Mm pre-COVID and just like what we were checking in about, like you were talking about a bake sale and I was like, Oh, could you imagine a bake (laughs) sale? That's so unsafe. I can't even. And I was talking about like just finishing rehearsal and just opening a play. And like, we Mm. are so far away from having live performance that it it all just felt like from another time, you know? Our own Twilight Zone (laughs) episode right there. 
<laughs> yeah. A thought I had, too, when I was uh, considering this episode is not a lot has changed. We're both still mixed. We're both still married. We're both still married to white guys. And people are still surprised that I am, in fact, Ian's wife. And recently, our neighbors assumed, like, because Ian's very active in our neighborhood association. And so, like, he knows more of our neighbors than homebody introverted me. <laughs> and so they know he's married. And some of them just assume that he was married to some white, blonde, sporty lady who goes jogging with her dog in our neighborhood because there aren't very many white people in our neighborhood. <laughs> and so they assume that must be his wife. <laughs> He was like, um, no, because they were like, oh, yeah, we we see your wife with your dog. And he's like, um, one, I don't have a dog. Two, I know who you're talking about. That's not my wife. That's <laughs> but, amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's still and will forever be relevant to us. But let's let's hear the clip and we'll talk about what what we're reviewing today. Those of us who are mixed or who are people of color get kind of some shade thrown at us when we we date white people but it should be about who the person is mm. and and it's nice Ooh. it's definitely great to be with somebody who has a shared experience with you right who can understand yeah. your background and where you're coming from oh definitely try as he might my husband will never completely understand what it's like to be who i am in my experiences growing up he tries right and and that's that's an important part of it he's an empathetic person who cares about me and tries to understand the world and how it impacts me and how that's different from how the world impacts him. And I think that's mm -hmm. really important, right? And it shouldn't take getting yeah. into a relationship for a person to be that way. And I'm not <laughs> saying that's that's the case with him. But I think more people should be able to change their focus to start to think about other people in that very empathetic way. world would be a better place. No, I completely agree. Because like I said, in um, especially with the increased brutal uh, shootings, again, predominantly Black males, it has been really heartbreaking. I you know, my husband walks in and I'm like sobbing over the computer and him trying to comfort me, but knowing there is only so much he can really kind of relate to. And and I think before you enter in a relationship, like a really serious relationship with someone who is different, you have to really kind of take that into account. It's actually, it was really interesting. Like I said, I'm a census junkie. They're talking about people with different mixes of marriages actually tend to actually exceed the national, like the the average of being married and actually stay together longer. And they're in, they're in, um, the amount of people who get divorced is actually quite lower. And I think because you actually have to have a lot of that forethought of, is this something that we can do? You know, even within dating, I'm, you know, it could just be very, very relaxed. And, you know, I, I'm into that person and, you know, love is blind with girl which that's a whole other thing. I want to talk about that, the love is blind thing. We literally at this moment don't have the time. No, Can we, we don't. We, Let's we, talk we about don't. it later for sure. I yes, I'm holding back. I'm just letting you know I'm bridling myself. But just having that kind of like concept of just being like you wanted to be a kick it and chill kind of dating thing. We, I, I personally wish it was that easy, but it's not. Even if it's for a brief moment, you have to make that conscious decision of, is this something this person together is willing to work with me with because even just in my you know my relationship with my husband I have just seen 
things from his background of growing up a, a lot more conservative, predominantly white uh, Christian household of saying, this is my life. These are my experiences and how some things, you know, he, he has had advantages and privileges in his life that I can only dream of and him going to, you know what I mean? And him actually kind of coming to that realization and then turning back around and being using where he is in his life to become a voice. And um, that's what, like you said before, it's really beautiful when that can happen. But like I said, we've been together, gosh, you know, almost a decade. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's a, it's a whole other thing. I think like we, we fall into this idea a lot where we're like, we bring up a phrase or bring mm-hmm. up like a, an off topic and we're like, Ooh, I have so much to say, <laughs> but I don't have time. Uh-huh. So that's, that's why I really wanted to, to revisit this and this idea of love is blind and why uh. we disagree with this. And I think this actually goes really well with the conversation we just had about all lives matter and black lives mm. matter as well. Oh, oh, two things, like two sayings that make us like go, Ick, like that really yeah. just kind of grinds up against us a little bit. Yeah. Our issue with all lives matter is very close to like our issue with love is blind, right? Like it, they're both like insinuating a world that does not exist. Yeah. I think it also, like, it, once again, I think it comes from a place of privilege as well, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what's your issue? What's your strong gut reaction to love is blind? To be honestly is I'm um, like probably people who say that to me are people who are in a relationship or married to someone of their same race. Mm. I know whenever I have heard that it's very rare that I get it from someone who is in the same mixedum than I am. It's very rare that I've ever mm. gotten that. Does that make sense? So whenever I hear it, it's so it's like, but from what experience do you have with that saying outside of it's just it's platitudes do you know what i'm saying that is my gut reaction and the thing is when i hear about something that love love is blind i don't know i guess it's one of those things of like do you count love as not really seeing your your partner for who they really are i and i i find that there's so much there's such a huge problem with that i agree i think it's it's similar it's similar to the color blindness, right? Like, I feel like that is part part of it, um, particularly if we're talking about race, obviously. But I mean, like, I have, there's so much wrong with it, <laughs> I mm-hmm. think. Because as somebody who is in what I would consider a pretty successful partnership, you know, we've been together for almost 19 years. I think this mentality of love is blind is part of a larger issue of all of these lies surrounding like love and partnership that make it sound simple. And Mm. in reality, love is never simple or easy. And I just take big exception to anything that furthers that attitude. Because love love is multifaceted and complicated and different for every single person. So, no, it is not blind. And I think I love the idea that it's like, I think at its heart, it's trying to be like, you know, it's about the people underneath, right? It's, it's, it's about your, your brain and your personality and those intangible things that make you you. And yes, that is a big part of it, but it's not just that. And I, I think I've... I've seen a lot of relationships not work out and uh, mm. <laughs> and I I think like 
ignoring aspects of that or aspects that are not working is part of what leads to that. And I think that love is blind is often code for that is like for that attitude of ignoring various parts or like being beyond physical. And it's like, no, for, for me within my, my life and my marriage, like the physical being is part of our relationship. And (laughs) so that's just the thing. I think it's taking out the totality of the person. And like I said, if you take it for what they are trying to say, once again, it's, it's about your niggity center, not your outside, but your outside is part of you for us, particularly the way that we have looked has changed how Mm. people treat us and how people treat us has changed our inside. Yes. Yes. And to ignore that and not to acknowledge that how I look affects the person that he loves on the inside. So my husband, you know, tall, blonde, white guy, if he's just saying, I just love her inside, but did not realize that in restaurants, I get very nervous or I don't want to complain because I don't want to come off as the loud, angry black woman. When he says, oh, why don't you say something about your food? It's not good. And him not seeing any of that is actually going to cause more tension. Does that make sense? And to me, this whole love is blinding. I actually don't know how that works. Because I believe where I think it's trying to mold over and create peace and kind of put like a huge like band-aid like, no, it's 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 okay. No, it's what's on the inside. Never mind if they have a little bit of a temper. Never, the, like these other things that might be kind of outlining outsider things mm-hmm. get down to what their real center is. Because I think this can be slapped on other things as well, not just race. And I have seen it been used in a really damaging and controlling way. And honestly, can I be real? I don't this you may call me out on this. Do people say this to men? I feel like I feel like as as a Mm. woman specifically, they're just like, well, you know, love is blind women to women amongst women. I also feel like it's another way to pacify things of making sure we're getting down to the deep even beyond race of like, well, the heart, like the heart wants what the heart wants. I feel like it kind of yeah. goes in that same category as well of like we're at the whims of love instead of just being really focused on like this is the person I choose to do life with like beyond even just like you said love and the physical I am not mad about because you have to be with that person in that partnership specifically in the context of marriage and I want to like what I see not as in the whole thing as that's the whole point. I didn't suss him out physically wise, but I'm saying it's a nice bonus. And that's part of our journey together as well. It's just, I love you and I'm attracted to you. And that is a, a part of our relationship. Is it its a whole part? No, but this is me doing life with you and enjoying you both inside and out. I don't know. Love is blind is one of the, it's dangerous and it's lazy. I think you're you're right about the focus of that being directed towards women because mm-hmm. I think as women we're held to a different sort of like physical standard uh, than men are and we're and when we're talking about heterosexual relationships and I think we see it in the the way it's portrayed in the media right mm-hmm. like very attractive women could be with anybody <laughs> like mm-hmm. like and and I think it's just a way to like reinforce the patriarchy right like because the ultimate goal of the patriarchy is to like get a hot woman but then like if the woman isn't with someone who is as hot as her it's like oh well love is blind 
But like you don't hear it the other way around. (laughs) I don't know. It's so weird. It's so weird. (laughs) Exactly. And well, even like of a woman who is like a guy who's getting after her that she's not like, I'm actually I'm not into him. I'm not attracted to him, which is fine in her right. But but love is blind. You're you're shallow. You're you know what I mean? You should look beyond that. And how many movies do we talk about like the nerdy doofy guy, which is a whole thing going after the hot babe and only once she gets past his exterior instead of being like, she likes what she likes. If she (laughs) she likes what she likes. But it's it's that thing of like only once this beautiful woman obviously has to get over her own shallowness. Can she truly love the value of this the this 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 person, this this guy in 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 this sense right here? And look how fulfilling and lovely that is. And like, no, I've learned lots of people (laughs) who are not not that great once you get past that exterior as well. Right. So myself personally, I'm more attracted to personality than exterior and this may be like in part like my my own like pansexuality like like the exterior and the gender like don't matter in the same way as the interior but would I ever say that like love is blind like it doesn't matter at all no like it matters it's just like it's a different sort of consideration a different like weight to it but it's an important part of it still oh my goodness that is so beautifully put I love like the different the weight of it and that's okay I think if anyone who wants to shame you into saying that if that has any weight in wondering if you want to enter into a partnership with somebody, I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't think it should be the heaviest one. You got to have a little something, something in there. You have to have that. That's part of your mammalness, isn't it? Like... Yeah, I mean, I guess, and once again, that also depends because there are definitely asexual people who are not Ah. aromantic and still have relationships, right? But I would, I would bet, like, just like anyone else, any sort of attraction, like, I think there must be something to do with the complete person, which Mm. includes the physical, even if you are being sexual with the person, right? Mm, I agree with that. There, there has to be something with within us uh, or else we'd just be feeling in the dark for someone to be our partner and walk around in this life with this I don't know I just like I said I get very irritated because people don't think my husband and I are together and I feel like people kind of shrug it off with well it's like the only way they can explain why these two people were together been like oh love must be blind someone actually told that to my face like oh love must be blind Uh, I don't know why they would say that because you are beautiful no shade against your husband, who I like very much also, but like, man, you're a catch. Like, you could have anybody. So, oh, thank, thank you, boo. I think we're, we're just two foxy ladies who are just, just, just entranced by these gangly white boys. They're just. I don't, I just, they're just something. So, with this, I don't know, what would you, what would you say? I like your, like, love is complicated. Yeah. And I, love I is think complicated. I would, Complet is beautifully complicated, but when you do the work and you get to see someone in their wholeness, like I'm sure you and your husband have had the same thing. We've had to have some really hard conversation about race and history and where where I've come from. And on the other side of that, even though the conversation is ongoing, there's like a layer of intimacy and closeness that we get to have that I would not trade for anything even though there's some couples who never had to have those conversations i still feel like there's a closeness even though we're not the same race 
that we get to have because we have bared that we've because we've had those hard conversations because we've learned from each other in that and he's had humility and he's come through a journey i don't know love is complicated but worth it yeah i mean i think that the attitudes i would like to see normalized more is that love is complicated and that love is work love is a choice you don't just like fall in love and then that's that having love that blooms into a partnership and a lifelong partnership which is what me and my husband are striving for and what you and your husband are striving for is a continuous journey and it is a series of choices and choices to do the work to be there for each other and to be there as a team and so it does necessitate a lot of very difficult conversations difficult choices and really having an intimate relationship which involves knowing and accepting the full person which includes all of it you know Mm -hmm. like love is blind does not in my mind have a place within that and i i think and maybe this is just me and i know i am not the easiest person at times but i'm i'm a critical person and i will push back on things and i think that phrase love is blind sounds like you're just like willing to let things happen you know Mm -hmm. like you're just like willing to turn a blind eye on things willing to let things unfold and like that is not the way that i function within my relationship and i think that that's why in part our relationship is so rich and so strong because like I'm not just gonna let things happen like it is all very much within my sight and I am seeing all of it happen because who doesn't want to be seen we talk Mm. about that all the time in the show that people want to be recognized and seen and how can you you can't see in part you really, or at least you shouldn't. That shouldn't be enough. How about that? Seeing in part should never be enough when you're entering into a partnership, when you want to be in the confounds within marriage. Like you want to be seen completely and wholly. And I just don't understand how you would want to be blind to, to anything about a person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. It's, I, I take my marriage and I'm sure you have the same thing of like of that and that relationship so seriously. And when I see things like love is blind, I find it to be so damaging, especially when we put it towards couples who are mixed race, because there's so many things they have mm-hmm. to go through that are hard enough. And when we're not saying, well, love is blind and that's how they've been able to make it. I'm like, no, they've been able to make it because like you said, th- they've chosen to full well knowing that it was not going to be easy. So they made that choice that we're going to do life together regardless. And so don't knock the beauty of the work that they're doing with they must be blind, which is the only way they could probably get it done. Yeah. Agreed. That's our problem with uh, Love is Blind <laughs> and why we didn't have time to yes! talk about it before. Yes, it feels so good to take that off the shelf. I imagine it just being like in the, in the preserves all the way in the back and saying, hey, because it's COVID right now. And so we have to eat all the leftover stuff in our pantry and blowing off the jar and still fresh. It was still fresh, Danny. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this has been fun revisiting mm-hmm. some some old things. I enjoyed myself. I'll have to do this again soon. We will. But let's kind of keep the reflection train going. Yes, yes. As we move into our happy places. So so let's for this for today's happy place, let's let's reflect on some of our favorite happy places we've had over the past (laughs) couple of years. (laughs) 
Mika, what is one of your favorite happy places or or what are your thoughts or feelings? <laughs> My thoughts and feelings are I have really enjoyed our happy places and we have had some amazing ones, whether it's what we're watching, an article of clothes that we're wearing, of the beverages that we're drinking. But I want to actually use my time on the happy place. I should have asked you beforehand. I have some questions. (laughs) I have questions that I would make me really happy for you. Okay. This and is I so want, unexpected. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She, she has the no, no. Like, okay. So in episode five, we got to our happy places. Your happy uh, place was watching Jeopardy. Does Jeopardy yes! watching? <laughs> does it still make you happy to watch Jeopardy? Yes! <laughs> I will always love Jeopardy. In fact, I was having a bad day. Oh, like a. a, a a week ago or so and my husband was just like let's just make some popcorn and watch some jeopardy and then we actually this is kind of a fun story it's not the answer to your question but it was like a fun jeopardy story so now i want to share it with you do it so then we decided he was like should we should we keep score and so of course i'm like yes you know like (laughs) i'm gonna win and he's Mm -hmm. like yeah and i was like it's like a 20 percent chance you'll win and he was like that is me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so we we turned it into like a drinking game, and then and we watched two episodes because we were watching them on Netflix. We watched two episodes, and the second episode there was a contestant with the name Ian and a contestant with the name Dan. No. Um, <laughs> Yes. And so I proposed, I'm like, oh, so we should do combined scores, Dan and Danny versus Ian and Ian. Uh, (laughs) But then they got to like the interview portion and Dan talked about how he plays a Jeopardy drinking game with his friends. (laughs) It was like so crazy. It was like my my nerd heart was so full that afternoon. That is that was worth it. I'm glad. I'm so glad. At first, I'm like, oh, it's me just to drop questions on her. No, this is that gave me everything that I need. It was mystery. It was comedy. There was drama. <laughs> yeah. I For love the it. record, the first episode, I won. <laughs> the second episode, I believe we tied, actually. The combined scores we tied oh other dan couldn't just pull through jeez man other dan did not did not do well risk too much in final jeopardy didn't know the answer see i'm more of a will of fortune girl myself (laughs) (laughs) it's vanna she's always turning them letters all right all right i have i have one more question for you that was about all right is the x-files theme still your ringtone Girl, I wish I wish you lived here so you could just call my phone and have the answer. <laughs> Perfect. And the, everyone, once again, this is Happy Places from almost two years ago. <laughs> I'm just I'm just checking back in, and this has made me so happy. Happy Places are so freaking important, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to. What do do you have some happiness to reflect upon, or some final thoughts yeah. of our happiness? Or- I do. The happy place that I return to the most often of my own when I'm like thinking about I should do something to make me happy. And this is the one like 
I don't know, in my mind, is the most iconic Danny happy place, but maybe it is Jeopardy or my X-Files ringtone, is listening to scary stories in the bath. Listening to ghost stories in the bath. Love <laughs> like, it. It's just like such a good happy place. And like when I'm I'm trying to think like, what are the things that make me happy? That always comes to mind. Though I think, I bet if you added them up, most of them must have been food, right? Like I would say for both of us, like we often talk about food. Yeah. I think it's food and what we're watching. I think it's really, yeah. I think we just want to Netflix and chill and snack. Yes. Snacks. D'Amica. This is mm. this is tangentially happy place related, but I would Ooh. like to know I would like to know your top five snacks. Yes. Okay. I it's kind of like it's actually this will be an homage to you. You'll appreciate it. I love a cheese and cracker. I will yes. love love a cheese and cracker, chips and salsa all day, yes. every day. It's do chips you make and your own salsa? I do from time to time. I do. I'll say half and half. When I was um here, I may get a lot more. And it's more like pico de gallo. It's closer to pico de gallo because mm. I like the freshness so of it. So chunk. Yeah. Yeah, real chunky. I want that to like not quite sog up my chip. And I can add a little extra salt because, well, you know, that's an extra lime. Mm. I'm for it. Mm. Um, follow very closely in the same field of chips and guac. I will. I'm happy, happy to snack on that any day, anytime. Hot Cheetos, that's like a guilty pleasure. I wouldn't say a snack. Yes. A snack is something that you can grab. I'll tie, because it's like not healthy. Watermelon, because I will eat that any time of the year. But of course, summertime, because it's nice and fresh. And I think I'll go very basic. Popcorn, homemade popcorn, which I do a lot. I love homemade popcorn. I've got like the perfect blend. Sometimes I'll put like, um, I have like a jalapeno garlic kind of salt. Sometimes I'll put on top of it. Sometimes I'll get real freaky and put like um, Biscoff spread into it. What's Biscoff? <gasps> Biscoff spread? Do they not? Um, maybe they don't. So have you ever had cookie butter from Trader Joe's? Yes. Yes. Like, like so cookie butter is trying to copy biscoff oh when you go on international flights they give you those little biscuits those little brown rectangular biscuits to eat with like your coffee or tea mm. they're like kind of cinnamon yeah. kind of yeah a yeah. little bit yeah that's yeah. a biscoff cookie so what they do is that they blend it into a spread like peanut butter and it's like it's so good it's, it has like the little sweetness of like almost like a ginger snap but not quite as gingerly and cinnamony yes, yes. and sweet. Oh, it's so good as a spread. And I will like to mix it up with the saltiness of the popcorn. Girl, that, I mean, granted, that's a treat, but... That Definitely. sounds really good. Girl. I'm, I'm like, I'm usually know. not into a sweet popcorn, but that sounds like something I could perhaps get behind. People want to do kettle corn and I'm like, meh. But I'm definitely, like, no. Yeah, nah, <laughs> nah, give me that extra butter. But definitely cheese and crackers. I will we'll sometimes have that for like Sunday lunch or dinner and just have like a platter. Mm. And we'll have like grapes yeah. and apples and all that fun stuff. So, all right, Danny's top five snacks because that's what we're doing now. What? Uh. Yes! You can't no. hold on. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're not getting out of here alive. Come on. The queen of snackdom. We have, tell your subjects uh, what you're snacking on. I mean, it's it's a hard line when you brought up like snacks versus treats. Yes, that's hard. Yeah, I like blend it all in my mind a little bit, even though like there are definite like 
snacks that are treats like hot cheetos would be one that like i really love but i don't have very often because it is just a a treat so we'll we'll throw hot cheetos on there okay as that sort of snack cheese and crackers obviously yeah popcorn i also do homemade popcorn usually with a little butter i like either to put nutritional yeast on it or a furikake like a, a seaweed Ooh. sort of topping sometimes i'll go all out and put like arare on there also like rice crackers mix it all up very like hawaiian japanese uh, <laughs> popcorn snack what if i go to's particularly in cooler weather when they are abundant i really love a cucumber Ooh. and i will just put out miso to dip the cucumber in so good definitely one of my go-to favorite snacks and i guess the last one would have to be and this is a little bit of a cop-out but some sort of chip and dip yeah so whether it be tortilla chips and salsa or guacamole or um i what i really love and this is a treat that i very rarely get are potato chips with there's uh this fiesta dip that's like uh (gasps) it's yeah it's it's pretty common here in new mexico i don't know if they sell it elsewhere but it's like red chili green chili but cream based dip oh it's so, so good. good. I can't. I'm seriously. I have not. <laughs> yeah. Had like that. Salivating. I'm like, I'm, I'm like salivating. Oh, that sounded so gross. Like, yeah, I don't even. I just really like, slurped into my. <laughs> it I was going to edit it out, but now I'm leaving it. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> After 50, guys, the show just really went down in quality. <laughs> it was just awful. I love it. The thing is, Danny and I talk about really challenging topics. And the thing is, we're not just talking about them. We are normally living in this reality, mm. which is why we're so incredibly passionate. By the time we come and record and talk to you all, we have not only lived through this, we have also researched this. We have both con- combined have many years of social justice work before we even hit the mic on top of our everyday lives so when we come to you sometimes it's kind of come with a bit of heaviness and when we talk about it we have a bit of camaraderie which is why you can see some of the the dark humor in the joke but we end with the happy place as a sort of centering and a grounding to realize that even amongst this fight there are these glimmers of hope and and happiness and We talk a lot about self-care and talk a lot about mental health. And as much as we're out there fighting, we also have to take care of ourselves as well. You've said off mic that it's like a gratitude journal. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's just this practice of really thinking about things that we should have gratitude for and things that bring us joy in our lives. And I think when we were discussing starting this podcast, we knew that we were going to dive into some heavy topics and that some episodes might be very heavy. And we felt like it was part of our our responsibility, if we're taking people there, including ourselves, we mm-hmm. cannot just take people there and then leave them there. Mm. And so that is that is part of the reason for our happy places. And also why we love hearing from you and hearing about your happy places as well. Because we all, and today 
in this world <laughs> more than ever. Like, I feel like our world is becoming increasingly dystopic. And I think when we can find pieces of joy to hang on to, even if it's just 10 minutes of us talking about snacks, like, those are... <laughs> Those are the things like that is ultimately what what makes life life and gives us a fullness and richness and a reason to continue with our our personal battles and our larger societal battles so that, you know, we can go and and discover some cookie butter from another country. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm into it. So, so good. I I love it. And I love that when you hear about other people's happy things, they become your happy things as well. So I can't tell you how many times I look at socks and I'm like, these would make Danny happy. And somehow they make (laughs) they make me happy somehow. So it's it's brilliant. So share your happy places with us and also with your fellow unicorns. It may seem random, but just like, hey, you know what? This this pizza is making me real happy because the crust is just what I need in my life. So share those things. Yes, please, please, please do. We're going to go ahead and, and wrap up, but just uh, a suggestion as we're, mm. we're sharing sharing happy places. We do often ask for your feedback or your direction and what you would like to hear. But I, I have a, a new little challenge for you, which is Ooh. call us and leave us a voicemail about something that is making you happy. What is your happy place? Ooh. You can you can leave us a voicemail if you're in the US at 505-585-1808. It's also in our show notes in case you didn't quite get that. We'd love to hear your happy place, what is making you happy, and maybe we'll share it on a future episode. Oh, that'll be super cute. I am down for that. Look at you. I'm, that's super, super cute. <laughs> yes. But if you want to reach out to us in a different way, we can still share your happy place via email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at biracialunicorns, as well as on Twitter at biracialmagic. Thank you so much to Dolly Pop Art, who has made our very iconic unicorn photos. We love it. Also, share pictures of unicorns with us. We're into that. Uh, we also yes. want to thank the amazing Joseph Scott for the gorgeous intro and outro music. And please, while you're on there, sending us your recipes, your snacks, your unicorns. We're very needy this episode. We're also going to ask if you have time, please write us a review. It really helps us out. But we also really want to know what you are enjoying about the show. What would you like to see us talk about in the next 50 episodes? It is so, so helpful as well if you can write us a review. And that helps us in the algorithms in the world of podcasts. So if you have time, that'd be great. Yeah, why not? I mean, if you had time to listen to this (laughs) Yes, you have time to write a review. (laughs) I don't know who I'm throwing shade at there. Us, them. I think think we all just got, we all got shade in there. I'm telling you, after 50, it just went downhill. I don't know. 50! You hung in there. If you're someone who's listened to all 50 of our shows, you should let us know. And we have stickers still, right? Yes, have, yes, we will. Yeah, uh, we're not going to quiz you. This is totally <laughs> Dan. Uh, like, I will. 
favorite place of episode 47. <laughs> yes. But yeah, if, if you're a longtime listener, hit us up, send us a voicemail, send us an email, let us know. We're happy to uh, to drop you a sticker if you'd like one. If you're an Emmy who's not into stickers. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with a full episode. Yes. And thank you all. Thank you all for listening. We're, yeah. We feel very hashtag blessed to be able to do this show. Yeah, you get off, you um, get off this mic right now. <laughs> I just don't know how to say things in an authentic way when I'm trying to be <laughs> nice. I, that's what she like. It's like a married couple. She normally lets me do this. This is, this is what the... <laughs> yeah. But really, we really appreciate you all. We Thank do. you so much. And mm-hmm. we hope that you'll you'll stay with us and that we can do 50 more and maybe mm-hmm. more. Um, so thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Peace. Out. Out.